Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Well, uh, I want to uh, explain something to everyone right up front here. You know, in one month, my big event in Vegas will be over. And so here in this period of time, when we are less than a month away, I am absolutely... Uh, swamped okay I mean you wouldn't believe the stuff that I'm doing because you have to realize this is a major event and I'm working as the creator and producer of this event behind the scenes I mean overseeing and arranging everything right down to the toilet paper to make every experience perfect but I'm also producing all the content you know we are fortunate we're going to have um, of course, one one hour presentation with Dr. John Alexander, but the rest of the time, I'm uh, in charge of producing all that, and it's all wonderful, enriching stuff. But to create wonderful, enriching stuff takes a lot of time, and energy, and effort, especially since I have to get all this stuff out to Vegas in good shape, and so um, uh, if you've never put together a huge three-day event before, then you may not realize how much goes into it, how many meetings and how many little things you have to keep up with in order to make it a very smooth experience for the guests. So when the guests show up, uh, everything looks effortless to them because so much planning has gone into the process. It reminds me of what I was telling you uh, the other day about Art Bell and show prep, that you put hours of prep into every hour you do on air if your show is good. And uh, so the trick is making it seem effortless. So bear with me as I'm working on all that stuff. Uh, I'm also, uh, as usual, managing my ghost tours, which are uh, here in Asheville. They are continually growing and uh, which is wonderful i believe we are now the largest walking tour in Asheville, so that's keeping me busy and i'm getting some extra help with that uh training some people to help me with that uh, i am working on a new television series as you should know uh and we are actually going to be shooting for that series between now and the event so while i'm trying to get the event to together um, I'm going to be shooting a TV show. And remind. let me also remind you that I'm not just a talent on this. I am also a creator and co-producer. So I have to have all these meetings and conference calls where I talk to, like, I think right now eight people are being copied on every email I, I send about this. Uh, because so many people have to come together to make a, a major TV series. And it, that's why you watch a TV show and at the end of it, you just see credits, 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 because all these people come together to make a professional TV series uh, and get it on the network. And so I have to be a part of all that planning and production and concept and an execution, and then spin around and get in front of the camera, you know, and be one of the guys on camera. So that you wouldn't believe the work that takes. Uh, I'm setting up new research facilities in the state of Nevada, brand new things that I'll be doing there. Uh, in the meantime, I'm doing radio interviews and magazine interviews as usual. I'm doing this daily podcast, uh, and I'm doing all the 
usual normal stuff you do in life, like take out the trash, you know? I mean, uh, it's so I have so much going on right now. This is uh, a, a really overwhelming time when it comes to my schedule. So here is what I'm asking of all of you. Uh, whether you are just a listener of this podcast or you're a close friend or uh, associate or a family member or whoever you are, I want you to be very understanding that if you contact me in any way, uh, if it is not related to some kind of an urgent matter that needs to immediately be addressed, then you're probably not going to hear back from me. Um, the odds of you getting a phone call are probably about zero. Um, and uh, texting, all that stuff is even tricky. The best bet is to send me emails if you want to try to communicate with me because at least then I can copy other people if I need to and help. it helps me keep track of what's going on and organize things. But I, I want you, I'm hoping you will not be offended if you contact me and you don't hear back from me if it's not something that is... Again, it needs some immediate attention is of an urgent matter or something that I have requested from you. And that is because if I spend time corresponding with everybody who wants to correspond with me or meet with me, none of this stuff is going to get done that I have to get done. When the event is over, oh boy, I'll be breathing a big sigh of relief because then I'll be back on more of a normal schedule, I, I think. Um, but between now and then, uh, again, I'm putting you on notice. Please do not contact me and expect a response if it's not something of a direct, urgent nature. And uh, certainly do not ask for a phone call or anything like that. I would appreciate that. So, hope that doesn't make me sound like a dick or anything. But I'm telling you that because I want you to know what's going on so you won't get offended if there is some type of lapse in communication. So let's move on to some of the things that are on my mind as I am creating this content for the big event. And as you know, our room block is already sold out, but um, you know you can keep checking the website, youwillmanifest.com, to see if anything changes. Uh, and by the way, if you are uh, one of the people uh, coming to the event, I will be sending you an email soon to see how many of you would like to take the optional trip to go see Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum. Um, and uh, that's something that is, I'm, I'm going to set this up for you. It's You're not getting it from me. This will be something that I would arrange uh, as a whole third-party setup uh, for you, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly how to do that. Uh, best, and that's going to depend on how many of you want to do that. So I will be emailing you soon to get your reply regarding that. Another example of the things you might not think about that have to be done in order to make sure everybody has the, the best possible time in Vegas. But as I am working on content, one of the things that I always keep in mind, and I guess I can pause and say that one of the things that maybe I've thought about as part of my purpose in life uh, is to help in some way, if possible, bring humanity closer to what's called a type one civilization. Now, I know that sometimes you may not think much about your, your purpose, but I think it's an important thing if you want to have a more rewarding life. 
And um, as a matter of fact, I think after this year, I'm going to start turning down a lot of opportunities so that I'm not so darn busy all the time and I can spend more selective time working on things that um, will allow me to go and do research in the lab and do some experiments that need to be done. But that said, I've always felt that whatever I'm doing, whether it's through experiments that other people uh, can't or, or won't do, or if it's through the things I do in the media, what I'm trying to do is help all of us maybe see if we can get closer to a type 1 civilization. Now here's what that means. In 1964, there was this Russian astrophysicist named Nikolai Kardashev. And I wrote about this in my book, Use the Force, A Jedi's Guide to the Law of Attraction. And Kardashev said that um, we should be dividing our future into three basic civilization types. So the type one is called a planetary civilization. And this is a civilization that can use and store all of the energy which reaches its planet from its parent star. So we're talking about having the knowledge and the wisdom to figure out how to live in harmony with our own sun. A type two civilization is called a stellar civilization and it can harness the total energy of its planet's parent star um, which is they say uh, uh, this would basically be the entire star and everything that's happening in its entire galaxy and then uh, a type 3 would go on to the galaxy and beyond. Um, so ultimately, we are a type zero. Okay? So we don't even know how to collect all of the energy from our own little neighborhood, so to speak, our own little solar system. And if we don't figure out how to do that, then eventually we're going to sort of run out of resources because the planet is probably going to at some point become uh, unsustainable for all of us to live upon it the way we're living right now. I think we know that. So we need to come up with a better way of gathering energy, of using energy, of utilizing energy. And the reason that it seems like we're never going to be able to do that is because we can't agree with each other on anything. Uh, it seems like as media has become more prominent, uh, and I, by media I'm talking about the internet and mass media, what's happening is it's inspiring people to fracture and fragment and polarize and argue and fight, um, maybe even more than ever. Um, and so it, it's 
it's looking like a heck of a challenge to overcome. And so if we think about the idea that maybe animals are these creatures that have no idea what we're necessarily talking about, and humans are creatures that have the potential to tap into these sources of power that are otherwise invisible, like electricity and and heat and all that, and turn that into mechanical power, then we might think that aliens are beings that are doing that which humans are doing, but on a larger scale, right? On On a much larger scale. So in other words, going back to the Kardashev scale, we haven't even learned to harness what's coming from our own sun, not to mention our galaxy, not to mention other galaxies, but maybe these beings that we're going to call aliens, and I'm using that term only for lack of a better word, because they may not be aliens the way we think of aliens, that is little green men from another rock out there. These might be beings that operate mostly on a different plane, but the idea is that they are able to to travel throughout the universe and find resources and take advantage of them on that scale. And we are so far away from that that when we encounter these beings, uh, we cannot even really comprehend what the hell we are facing. Um, And there may be many different types. There may be ones that mean us no harm, They may not necessarily like us. They might not even care about us or who we are, and we're just squirrels in the woods to them. But then you may have other ones out there who are just mean, and just like you have mean examples of any kind of creature. Um, You know, it is weird how, like, for example, back in the old days, uh, sometimes if, like, a bear killed somebody... uh, they would they would hunt that bear down and they'd give it a public execution just like the bear was a bad bear and knew what it was doing Uh, there was an incident in east tennessee in the 1800s when the circus came to town and an elephant killed its trainer and they took that elephant out and they put a big chain around its neck and hooked it to a crane and they hanged an elephant near the railroad tracks in east tennessee uh fella who's a friend of mine wrote a book about it called the day they hung the elephant uh charles price um so there was a time when we used to think that well animals knew damn well what they were doing and we're going to punish them just like we punish a person now we don't view it that way you know now if a bear kills somebody we say "Eh, well you know that's what bears do Um, That doesn't mean we still don't kill animals that attack people. Like if we have dogs that kill people, then usually we have to euthanize the dogs. But even then, it's not done in a vindictive way. It's usually done as a practical measure. Like we want to make sure this doesn't happen again. But you're not trying to punish the creature by doing it and make an example. So we used to think of animals in a much more, uh, I guess you call it anthropomorphic human-like way. Uh, But we don't anymore. We realize that there's something different now between ourselves and animals, and we don't think of them the same way. So what is that key component that makes a human more spiritually advanced 
than an animal? Well, I guess the most basic way to put it is that we view animals as being unable in most ways to resist their instinctual carnal feelings that they just don't know any better right you know it's like if you if you throw the steak on the floor and the dog eats it and that was your steak uh you don't blame the dog you don't think the dog's doing something bad to me and the dog hates me and took my steak you think oh well the dog didn't know any better right and we think of ourselves as being imaginative enough to realize that there are moral and ethical issues that can complicate the future if you do certain things that may satisfy one immediately. So I'll give you an example of this. Humans can walk across the street more effectively than animals because we are able to imagine possible future scenarios. So that is to say, before you cross the street, you know, maybe you're in a hurry and you want to cross that street right now, but that doesn't matter because you realize that there are multiple future scenarios that can play out. And so what do you do? You look left and you look right and you see what cars are coming and you see how big they are and how fast they are and you calculate the distance that they might have to travel and the time it's going to take for them to travel that distance and you process all this very very quickly almost instantly and then you use that information to cross the street and sometimes you're so good at it you're like frogger you know you might not wait for the whole street to open up you can dodge between the vehicles and make it just fine and very seldom does a person get hit by a car compared to an animal all kinds of animals get hit by cars of course most of the time we see dogs and cats because those are the ones that are running around most of the time but you know in puerto rico you'd see iguanas all over the place dead iguanas animals don't have the imagination to calculate possible future implications based upon their immediate decisions and I think that is one of the very key components that separates a a human from an animal and you can again maybe wrap that up in a tighter package by simply saying they have they give in to their instant carnal gratification and humans are able to see moral and ethical consequences of their actions because of their ability to imagine future outcomes all right not too shabby right i'm just pulling that out of thin air but that's sort of what i'm thinking and so now let's say well what's the difference between a human and an alien or whatever this next stage is that brings you higher up on the kardashev scale well frankly i'm not going to sit here and pretend for one iota of a second here that i can tell you enough about what an alien is or some super spiritually advanced being is that i'm going to be able to accurately compare the two of us but i will tell you one thing it seems to me that if a human is going to have the capability to evolve and advance 
and become closer to the thinking that will take us to that type 1 civilization and closer to what those more advanced beings are the first thing that we have got to have is not just the imagination to cross the street but the imagination to look at another person's viewpoint that you do not like or that you disagree with and again I'm going to use that word imagine that there might be some perspective from which that person is right and you are not the one who is correct now obviously that may not be the case may end up that you are the one who is right and that person is wrong but it seems to me everybody's just pointing fingers and saying everybody else is wrong all the time and so to me the next big step in in our evolution is the ability to look at opposing views and things you don't like or disagree with and imagine for a second that maybe those things could be correct and those things could be right and then be willing to change and adapt and be flexible if you can open your mind to that now we're probably never going to have a situation where everybody agrees on things but we can get much closer and this is how we have to do it for example we still have people out there who believe the earth is flat so that shows you you're always going to have people out there who are going to disagree but the vast majority of us do not think that the earth is flat we believe that it is more round and this is not something we argue over and so that said we have far too many arguments than we should and these arguments are being spoon-fed to you by the mainstream media especially that makes its money from selling you advertising and capitalizing on the fact that humans seem to watch the news more when they are scared when they're worried when they think bad things are going to happen they tune in because that is what survival of the fittest is all about well i need to know if a hurricane's coming right or if there might be a tornado tomorrow or if there's a madman running around shooting people and so they tap into the fear that makes you participate and watch and then that is what makes you also exposed to the ads which pay the bills and so a part of the fear-mongering is having people fight and argue and debate and making everybody take sides and what does this do it's now so widespread it's so effective that we don't seem to be moving very quickly toward that type 1 civilization that's going to make us more like the aliens perhaps meaning that we live in a society where you can get more pleasure out of your life with less work and strife and stress 
and pain and sweat and blood. Now granted, there is no such thing as a utopia for humans, and there never will be. And that's because that from the moment you're born, you begin going through this process, which eventually leads to decay and death. And that's why when people contact me and they ask me to do something magical that regards health, or if they, they want to ask me questions about using wishing machines and medical issues, I tell them, well, first off, it, it, it's illegal for me to even address that topic because I'm not any kind of a licensed physician. And... Um, Yes, I've been called Dr. Supernatural, but uh, that's about as doctory as Dr. Seuss and Dr. Dre, okay? This is, an, this is an affectionate term. I'm not a doctor. I have, the, uh, I have no legal right to give you any kind of advice medically. But beyond that, all of us have to break down and die. And that's a good thing. And there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, you might find out, you might find a way to elongate your life. You know, you might be able to live, I don't know, a thousand years. Well, they say Methuselah was 800 years old or something like that with genetics and genetic manipulation and, you know, various types of cryogenic technologies. Who knows how long you might be able to make it, but still eventually you're going to get snuffed out one way or another. And uh, and that's good because that's what the universe is all about. It's about growing and transforming and expanding. And I in my own life, and I hate to say this, but I in my own life, I've seen some really stupid thinking out there that was never going to get changed by elections. And so... It just became clear to me and most of my friends, like, well, we just have to wait long enough until some of these old fuddy-duddies die off with all of their biases and their limited thinking before positive change can happen. When you have younger, fresher minds in there that can do a better job. It's a good thing sometimes for the old to die so that new can come in and uh, usually the old don't ever like that (laughs) every year as I get older I look back and I'm like these kids today what the hell's wrong with these little we all do that you know we that's that's a cliche but because it's true as you get older you look at the younger people you say what are what are these idiots thinking so if you're one of the people who's looking back at the younger people then you're going to be in that situation where you're like, I don't understand, you know, what the world's coming to. It's going to hell in a handbasket. But if you step back and you look at everything from a larger, more historic context, you see that overall this process is a better process because you might not like it from your particular spot in the process, but if you're standing from an objective perch looking down so to speak this is the best way to clean out the old um, stubborn stuff so that new ways of thinking can come in 
And if indeed you believe, as I do, that there is a creator, what some might call an architect behind all this, I think the architect has done a pretty damn good job of figuring all this out. Because, uh, as I've said before, if you're not happy with this universe and how it works, then I'd love for you to sit down and write a couple pages for me and describe what your universe looks like and what the trees look like and what the sky looks like and how how all this functions. And let's see you even imagine a better system than we have here. It's not always fun to go through this, but it seems to be pretty darn efficient. So, you could say that what I've talked about today applies to business, it applies to politics, it applies to personal stress, but more importantly it applies to humans evolving into something better. Just as animals are still around, but they're not the same as us, we can see that animals are a part of us. We still have to eat and drink and take a shit just like animals do, right? We're not all that different. We we share so many of our genes with these animals. But there is something different about us that allows us to have a better life experience, potentially, than an animal. Uh, I know there are still people out there in very poor, terrible parts of the world who are still having to practically live like an animal because of how their corrupt governments have treated them. But um, a human is capable of having a better experience in life than an animal. And so if we're going to assume that reaching that type 1 civilization is a better experience than being a human, then we have to use our imagination. That's the word of the day, kids. Whenever you hear imagination, throw up your hands and scream. Because it's having imagination to look at things that you disagree with or you think are bad or you don't understand and just reevaluate it and make sure that there's not some way you can imagine it making sense. That's where we have to start and that is what I believe is the relationship between animals and humans and quote-unquote aliens. Oh boy, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, um, and I hope that you will visit my webpage, joshuapwarren.com, check out a lot of the great content there, you can learn more about my event in Vegas and my curiosity shop and all that kind of stuff, joshuapwarren.com, there is no period after the P, and you'll find a link to this podcast, I tried to do one for you every day. It's always short. It's always free. Joshua P. Warren Daily. And if you visit the page for the podcast, you'll see you can subscribe via various means, or you can just follow me on Twitter, and I will tweet 
when a new one is available. So, ah, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.